Talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talking benefits. You're listening to Talking Benefits, the podcast brought to you by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. Every month, we dive into retirement, healthcare, hot topics and trends, and whatever else the benefits industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Julie Stick. I'm Ann Patterson. Let's talk benefits. Here we are back in the Foundation Podcast studio, and another year is ending. So how on earth does a year come and go so quickly? That's what I want to know. It's just the perennial mystery of life. And here in the benefits world, there doesn't seem to be a slow year. Lots happened, so let's settle in. We are taking a look at the top benefit stories of the past year, which has become our year-end tradition. Plus, we will give our best attempt at making some predictions for 2023. Now, some years we're not all that close on the predictions. I think this year was maybe a little bit better for us, so we will keep keep that tradition going. But first, I'm throwing a holiday humdinger your way. I just learned that the Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol story has 135 different adaptations. You probably have seen a few of them. Scrooge has been played by Bill Murray, Jim Carrey, Henry Winkler, which I just learned about, uh, Michael Caine, (laughs) Scrooge McDuck. So my question to the group is, do you have a favorite version of A Christmas Story and why? Should I go first? Sure. Okay. Um, you mentioned the Henry Winkler mm-hmm. one, and I, I like that one. I mean, you know, of course, he's Scroogey, but he's also Fonzie. So, you know, I watched it when it came out in, you know, a long time ago, and I thought, you know, it's the Fonz being Scrooge. <laughs> so, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> Does Henry Winkler, as the Scrooge, say, hey, but like Scrooge? <laughs> He does not. It's a great question. <laughs> no, it's a good question, but he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. He played it straight okay. as Scrooge. All right. I got to see this. Yep. Let's make a meeting this afternoon to yeah. check <laughs> it yeah. out. Two o'clock. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, my vote is one that I watched as a child growing up a lot and was never a huge fan, but recently gotten a little bit back into it is the uh, Alistair Sim version. The last couple of years, I'm not sure why it's connected with me, but it's uh, I'm a huge fan. So. It's Aww. a classic. Yeah. 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 What about you, Anne? My favorite is A Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. It's nostalgic. Oh, I, I re- watched about that it one. recently with my three year old, and uh, it didn't age as well as I was hoping <laughs> it would. But the music is great. Uh, Michael Caine plays Scrooge, which he's always fabulous. So that's, it'll probably be my favorite forever. Cool. Good mm. choice. Good choice. Cool. I saw that in the theater when I was a child. Wow. That's, okay. I can, I, can, I can age myself with that. Yeah. One, so. There you go. It's our generation. <laughs> mm hmm. All right, well, I'm going to continue the Dickens magic and bring up the ghosts of benefits past with our 2022 predictions. Wow, okay, well, I cannot wait for our own version of a benefits carol. Well, as long as I am not Scrooge, right? Everybody agree I'm not Scrooge? (laughs) No, you're like the Fonzie and not Scrooge. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to start with Build Back Better. When we recorded last year, we were wondering whether the Build Back Better legislation would pass. It was that big federal budget reconciliation bill that had lots of things attached to it that were tied to President Biden's social framework. Things like paid family and medical leave, extension of higher ACA subsidies, Medicare hearing benefits, and higher child tax credits. 
So although the House of Representatives had passed the bill in November 2021, it did not have the support of Senator Manchin, so it was not taken up by the Senate until 2022. There was lots of negotiating going on, and that resulted in a scaled-down version of the bill and a new name, the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, this version of the bill passed in August and was signed into law on August 16th. Julie, when you say scaled back, what does that mean? While some of the Build Back Better provisions stayed, like extending the enhanced ACA subsidies through 2025 and starting a new Medicare prescription drug price negotiation program with drug manufacturers, some of the provisions were scaled back to apply only to Medicare coverage or some provisions were removed completely. For example, the $35 monthly cap for insulin was scaled back to be applicable only for Medicare Part D plans instead of all plans. And Medicare hearing benefits, uh, something that had been talked about for a while, that was completely dropped from the bill. So for additional information on this law, please check out a blog post that I wrote, and it was posted last August. And you can find those posts on ifebp.org slash blog. And we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Excellent. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. All right. One ghost of Christmas past is still haunting us. And we're moving into environmental, social, and governance investing. Now, at the end of last year, we discussed whether ESG criteria could be considered a formal criteria for retirement plan investments. Do we have any updates on that? We did, and um, the DOL published the final rule, Prudence and Loyalty in Selecting Plan Investments and Exercising Shareholder Rights, uh, in the Federal Register on December 1st, so just a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, The final rule mentions four key provisions. First, it retains the principle that the duties of prudence and loyalty require ERISA plan fiduciaries to focus on relevant risk return factors and not subordinate to the interests of participants and beneficiaries to objectives unrelated to the provision of benefits under the plan. Secondly, uh, it reiterates a principle that that when a plan's assets include shares of stock, the fiduciary duty to manage plan assets includes the management of shareholder rights related to those shares. Third, it makes changes to the following areas. Consideration of ESG factors, qualified default investment alternative provisions, application of the tiebreaker test, and shareholder rights and proxy voting provisions. And finally, it adds a new provision clarifying that fiduciaries do not violate their duty of loyalty solely because they take participants' non-financial preferences into account when constructing a menu of prudent investment options uh, for participant-directed individual account plans. All right. Thanks, Justin. The fiduciary rule was another 2022 prediction. And this saga is dragging on just like those spirits visiting Scrooge. And I bet no one has ever compared the two before and no one ever will. Mm -hmm. Probably true. (laughs) The DOL has no confirmed date to release its highly anticipated fiduciary rewrite, according to a spokesman. And anticipation spiked following a November 23rd report just a couple weeks ago that the department was preparing to publish the new rule. It's sounding like industry insiders say privately that they will be surprised if the the rule is um, made public before early 2023. Sure. And the DOL is, you know, encountering pushback as it works on a regulation to specify who is a fiduciary 
And with no sign of any OMB proposal submitted for a review, the rule won't be made public likely until the first quarter of 2023. And this is partly due to the volume of uh, the regulatory initiatives they're engaged in and partly because they want to wait and see how uh, the two legal cases brought against the Department of Labor fare in Texas and in Florida courts. Yes. So, so stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll probably talk about it Next year. Episode next year. Probably. (laughs) Keep it on the list. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, So uh, next up, surprises. Like the way Scrooge felt when all the ghosts started appearing. Well, okay. In the benefits context, (laughs) I mean surprise medical billing. Not as much fun, but still fun, right? 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 Okay. And maybe just as scary. Um, The No Surprises Act went into effect starting January 1st of 2022. And under the law, as you'll recall, uh, health plans and providers, which include hospitals, practitioners, and air ambulance providers, are prohibited from billing patients more than in-network cost-sharing amounts in certain circumstances. Or in other words, you know, we call this balanced billing. Despite governmental guidance throughout 2021, there was still a lot of uncertainty and unhappiness surrounding the independent dispute resolution process, also known as IDR, also known as arbitration. And those those items were contained in the guidance, but there was still some confusion. So, Julie, where are we now on surprise billing? The unhappiness resulted in lawsuits and comments to the agencies. So, in August of 2022, the Departments of Labor, Treasury, and Health and Human Services released final rules that provide clarification on the IDR process. Those rules became effective in October and largely impact insurance carriers and third-party administrators. There still is pending litigation, and many dispute claims have been filed for IDR. Now, this past November, uh, Representatives Neal and Brady in the House asked the Biden administration to look at the rule again. So to sum up, the jury is still out on how effective this new law and process will be. We are so grateful to our International Foundation members. If you aren't a member yet and you want to access awesome perks like free webcasts, personalized research, and a daily email with everything you need to know about industry happenings, please visit us at ifebp.org slash membership and get started. We are now entering into the next act of A Benefits Carol, where we explore the ghosts of benefits present. So perhaps the biggest benefits headline of the year is abortion coverage after the Dobbs decision. On June 24th, the U.S. Supreme Court issued its decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which overturned Roe v. Wade, thereby holding that the U.S. Constitution does not expressly or implicitly protect the right to choose an abortion. In response to this, on July 8th, President Biden signed an executive order to protect access to reproductive health care services. So from our perspective, the focus is going to be on the implications for employers, uh, legal considerations, as well as privacy issues. 
Now, from an employer health coverage perspective, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, as amended by the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, does not require employer group health plans to provide coverage for abortions unless carrying the pregnancy to term endangers the pregnant individual's life. But plans must provide coverage for medical complications that arise from an abortion. Title VII does not prohibit employer group health plans from providing abortion services coverage, and many employer group health plans do provide such coverage. And one of the major implications of the Dobbs decision is the introduction of new potential travel benefits. Some employers are reacting to this decision by covering travel and lodging costs uh, for workers who travel out of state to obtain an abortion where it is legal. Uh, Just to note that programs of this type typically fall under the rules of an employer-sponsored group health plan, uh, which means that they are subject to federal laws such as ERISA and HIPAA. And speaking of HIPAA, there are some things to consider in terms of privacy, particularly in terms of healthcare providers, a reminder that they should ensure that their workforce understands when HIPAA does not permit the disclosure of protected health information. And also, companies should review their privacy policies and how they are collecting and sharing consumer data, particularly in connection with how that data may relate to a person's health or use of healthcare services. And also just make sure to review the implications and taxation for employers that are providing those medical travel benefits. There's some leave issues to review, as well as potential implications for miscarriages, as well as fertility benefits going forward. And just a reminder that the foundation conducted a pulse survey on the benefits implications of the Dobbs decision, uh, which was released in July. Uh, and that can be found at ifebp.org slash Dobbs Impact. And we'll also include that link in the show notes as well. Perfect. That'll be helpful. Something else impacting the present benefits world is cryptocurrency. As all of us have been seeing and hearing the risks and rewards and its role in investment portfolios is currently being hotly debated in many arenas. That debate has now come to the forefront with respect to cryptocurrency as an investment option in 401k plans. So basically, the DOL is fighting back against retirement provider for us all in an ongoing dispute because the DOL provided guidance cautioning planned fiduciaries and employers from providing cryptocurrency as an investment option within 401k plans. So then for us all, originally sued in June, and then the DOL is standing firm that while cryptocurrency has intriguing use cases, it needs, quote unquote, maturing before people can put their retirement savings into it, including the development of consumer protections. Do you guys know, have we heard any updates here? As of November 15th, uh, the parties agreed that this case uh, should not proceed further. And the foundation has been following formal rulemaking, and other further guidance and clarifications. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Sounds good. So last year, we covered cybersecurity as one of the big stories of 2021. And guess what? It's still a big story. (laughs) And if only those hackers would use their talents for good. Right? Right? (laughs) Okay. So as we shared last year, plan fiduciaries have a duty to ensure the security of their plans, and that includes protecting sensitive online information. In 2021, the DOL's Employee Benefits Security Administration, or EBSA, released guidance in the form of best practices and also shared auditing plans cyber programs. So what is going on in 2022? 
Cyber attacks continue. There's hacking and ransomware and phishing and vishing and malware. You know, we could talk about this for an hour. Should we talk about this for an hour? Julie, I don't know about Anne, but I absolutely do not have an hour to hear. Yeah, this is cutting into the movie afternoon that we have. Oh, that's right. Okay. (laughs) Okay, true. We don't have an hour, so we will cut to the chase. Litigation and DOL enforcement have involved plan practices and transactions. So what should plan sponsors do? In addition to creating a cybersecurity program for their plans, sponsors should educate participants about cyber threats and remind them to routinely monitor their online 401k accounts. Plan sponsors also have a duty to consider cybersecurity practices when they're hiring a service provider and then to monitor those practices once the service provider is hired. I've heard that cyber insurance rates have increased. Is that true? Yes, I've heard that too. Um, It's in part because of increasing demand and also in part because of the increasing frequency and severity of cyber threats. Despite the increased costs, this type of insurance is really a must-have. It's also important to... Okay, okay. I'm getting scary Jacob Marley-like glaring looks from my (laughs) co-hosts and producers. So please check out our blog to read more about cybersecurity. And of note, in September, we posted about cybersecurity compliance reviews. So check that out. Another key benefit development this year was the continued growth of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, initiatives. Uh, The progress of these initiatives from a workplace perspective was covered extensively in survey results from CultureAmp. Yeah, some really interesting data here. Um, In their survey of HR and DEI practitioners, 81% reported that they believe that DEI initiatives are beneficial to their organizations, but only 34% of respondents reported having enough resources to support their DEI initiatives. So big gap there. Then looking at workplace-specific efforts, while 63% of companies reported hosting events and DEI-related discussions, only half of those organizations reported having a DEI mission statement, which is a crucial part of creating the organizational alignment necessary to create change. And only 49%, so a little under half, have a strategic diversity plan in place. So some interesting takeaways from this study. And I found that the greatest drivers of a more diverse workforce are having a diversity policy, implementing a strategic plan, and then using DEI data to make decisions. Yeah, and another uh, effective approach that was highlighted in the survey results was the creation of employee resource groups. Uh, These are employee-led groups that foster uh, inclusivity and build community. Nearly half of the organizations that were surveyed have at least one employee resource group, and they're most commonly centered on uh, identities like race and ethnicity, gender identity, and LGBTQ status. Another article from HR Dive noted that uh, all current Fortune 100 companies have made a public commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, so some definite progress there. And there's plenty of online resources out there to how to best promote DEI initiatives, uh, as well as best practices for implementation. Uh, So make sure to do some Googling and to check those out. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. That's great info and interesting data. All right. Finally, we're ready for the third act. We're ready to meet the ghost of benefits yet to come, which is our 2023 watch list. So this won't get as dark and as grim reapery. Reapery, that's hard to say, as some of the film adaptations. But first on our watch list is Secure Act 2.0. 
and this has been in the news lately. It's the end of the year push to pass the bill package known as the SECURE Act 2.0. It is comprised of three separate bills, one in the House of Representatives and two in the Senate. Currently, the uh, the bill is aimed at increasing retirement savings and expanding coverage to employer-sponsored retirement plans. So it's a big benefits deal. Julie, do you want to share the latest news on this that we've been seeing? Sure. Now, as of today, and I will say that we are recording on December 21st, 2022, The House and Senate leaders have released the text of the spending bill, which includes a final SECURE 2.0. Now, the Senate reportedly will take up the legislation first on December 22nd, and following presumed passage, the House will take up the legislation on December 23rd. Now, it's worth noting that Congress faces a December 23rd deadline to either pass the broad omnibus spending bill or another continuing resolution in order to avoid a government shutdown. Now, the broader bill also will likely be the final piece of legislation acted on by this Congress. So we'll have to see if the the broad um, omnibus bill passes with SECURE Act 2.0, That'll be interesting. Otherwise, will they have to do a CR continuing resolution to keep the government open? So it's coming down this week, even (laughs) as we speak. Yeah, making the holidays a little more exciting. More exciting. Yes. Yep. Because they're not exciting enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next up, mental health parity. Julie, do you have any info here on this one? Sure. So... As we shared last year, uh, one of the most problematic issues surrounding mental health parity involves non-quantitative treatment limits, or NQTLs. Now, neither the phrase nor the acronym is easy to say, so be patient with me. The 2020 Consolidated Appropriations Act, or CAA, requires plans to prepare and provide an NQTL comparative analysis and make it available to relevant government agencies upon request. NQTLs include plan features that limit the scope or duration of care, such as prior authorization, medical necessity reviews, standards for provider admission to a network, and provider reimbursement rates. Showing parity compliance is tough because NQTL analysis is somewhat subjective and because plan sponsors adopt their insurance carriers or TPA's policies. While the DOL has provided some red flags and examples, plan sponsors and their service providers are still a little bit confused and concerned. Mental health parity continues to be part of the EBSA's National Health Enforcement Initiative and is reportedly a high priority for them. They continue to look for improper limitations that may be imposed through non-compliant cost-sharing, benefit limitations, or administrative practices like medical necessity requirements. So, Julie, for our listeners' perspective, uh, what can plan sponsors do about this? That's really a great question. According to Rory Kane Akers, an attorney from Lockton who spoke on this topic at our annual benefits conference in October, 
Plan sponsors should work with their service providers to get the information that they need to create the comparative analysis. And then she suggests that plan sponsors should have that comparative analysis ready to go if asked for one. And if asked, she, she used the term keep calm and do your best. Uh, there are no sure answers yet for this. It's still evolving, so stay tuned. I'm going to use that for myself this holiday, Susan. Just keep calm and do your best. Yeah. There we go. It's That's, a great mantra. It's a good <laughs> mantra. That should carry into 23 as well. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So another topic uh, that we will be tracking in 2023 is COVID long-haul disability issues that are associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is something that has received some attention, uh, but people are experiencing uh, limitations physically, such as uh, shortness of breath with exertion, uh, extreme fatigue, uh, brain fog, uh, insomnia, uh, fast heart rate, uh, joint pains and body aches, as well as headaches. New data from the Brookings Institute suggests that long COVID is keeping as many as 4 million people out of work. Uh, so what are the benefits implications of this? Uh, the Americans with Disability Act uh, accommodation ideas includes some suggestions such as rest breaks, uh, telework, flexible schedules, ergonomic workstations, reducing physical demands, as well as restructuring on the job to remove marginal job functions. And the challenging part of implementing these accommodations is the difficulty for lower wage workers because these jobs are more likely to be physically demanding, have inflexible hours, and may also be ineligible for remote work arrangements. So it's a tough, tough spot. And patients are struggling to secure approval for Social Security disability insurance benefits group long-term disability plan coverage could provide support to access appropriate medical care and return to productivity. Um, so this is something that we'll definitely be tracking in 2023. Okay, our last benefits yet to come topic is the Respect for Marriage Act. So this um, has been bubbling up lately. On December 13th, the president signed the Respect for Marriage Act, and this codifies protections for same-sex couples. The bill passed with bipartisan support in both the House and the Senate. Um, now, same-sex couples have more confidence and employers will have more certainty about equity in, in certain benefits. So the act specifies that states must recognize same-sex marriages across state lines and that same-sex couples have the same federal benefits as any married couple, like Social Security survivor benefits, for example. So, Julie, there is a note on this, though. Can you share a bit more? Yeah. So the Respect for Marriage Act does not codify same-sex marriage, though. So this means that if the Supreme Court were to overturn the Obergefell versus Hodges case, states that oppose same-sex marriage could outlaw it. And so that's why this is something that we'll be watching this coming year. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Julie. So now we will all wake up changed and realize the true meaning of employee benefits Right. Which Scrooge kind of realized at the end as well because he rewarded his employee, Tiny Tim's dad, with an increase in pay and a large turkey, which is an 1800s version of a great benefits package, if I ever heard of one. Well, sure. So. Mm -hmm. Sure. We all want a big turkey. Yeah. yeah. A large yeah. turkey. <laughs> well, I hope you all have an awesome holiday season. Thank you. Yes, everybody. To you guys here you in well. the room with you me well. and, and our awesome listeners. Our listeners. Yeah. 
Um, I wanted to give a final shout out to Ann Newhouse, Jenny Gartman, and Amanda Wilkie um, as they did the heavy lifting on this episode podcast script. Um, everyone here at the foundation has been running around trying to finalize their final uh, tasks for the year and they came through in the clutch big time. So they totally did. They helped us out. Thank yeah. you. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Talking Benefits is a production of the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, the largest educational association for those working in the benefits industry. If you're into benefits, check out all the International Foundation has to offer at ifvp.org. Our show is hosted by Julie Stick, Justin Held, and me, Ann Patterson. Produced by Stacey Van Alstein and edited by Amanda Gilsmer. Today's program is copyrighted in 2022 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, All Rights Reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel. Obergefell versus Hodge is... So it's Obergefell? It's Obergefell. Obergefell versus, versus Hodges. Hodges. Yep. Oh my gosh. Obergefell. No, you said it right. Obergefell. Oberg. Uh, sorry, Amanda. I know we said we'd be perfect. <laughs> Obergefell versus Hodges. Um, Obergefell versus Ho- the. Ob- and it is Obergefell. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna just just do this whole thing again. I'm-